Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make uh, it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now from the Chicago Tribune, he is Phil Rosenthal on the big show with uh, Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Phil, hello. How are you and yours? Everybody doing all right? We seem to be. Uh, last time I checked in the other rooms, you know, on my daily walk, I <laughs> seem to be all right. So, yeah, I think we're doing all right here. Good. <laughs> Phil, do you still live in that place where you took me to when I was in Chicago that time, uh, or have you moved around a little bit since since 1998? I've moved. I, I have a family now, so we need a little more space. But I still have it. It's still an apartment. So uh, you know, with a, with a couple of teenagers, it's it's exciting, as you can imagine. Yeah, Phil, will you do me a favor and tell Jake? And Austin, the that about the time that you decided you were going to run in a marathon, only you weren't going to run in it. You were going to walk the marathon, and you lo- you wore like a like jeans and and like topsiders or something, and a coat or what, 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 what? Tell them that story. Yeah, well, that was I mean that was many many years ago. Uh, I I you know you always hear the stories about oh I trained for a marathon oh I made it through I. I went, and I, I don't mean to demean those people. I know it's an incredible effort. I remember one of my brothers ran the Boston Marathon, uh, I think at least once, maybe twice. But, the, I, you know, at some point you hear those stories about it. I made it, it took me seven hours. And you start to do the math and you say, I think I could walk it in that kind of time. So that's what I essentially set out to do. I did not train. Uh, I did not wear running material. I basically wore whatever it is. Uh, I may have been topsiders. That sounds about right for the time. And and I went out on the marathon and I I started walking. And you know, after a few miles, I stopped and got a hot dog, a chili dog, or something, and <laughs> kept going. I'm I'm built that way. If you, you can fill in the picture, if you like. But uh, at some point, I mean, it was about halfway through. They 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 said, look. Um, we're going to shut down this course. You're starting to slow things up. I would have made it. But they made, They said, look, you can continue walking, but we're going to shut down the course, or you can you know, you know, can quit. And I, I thought I'd made my point. I, I think I'd, I'd done the first 13 miles in a few hours, and it, it seemed like I would, I would not have a problem finishing it. But that's, that's essentially the story. It, it, it's basically that, you know, again, you hear those stories with these people who take hours upon hours, and basically you can walk it. And, and and do that if that if that's your goal. So I'm pretty sure I could have finished this, but they they sort of I'm demanded trying. that I didn't. And there was a policeman <laughs> involved, if I recall correctly. <laughs> I'm trying to picture you standing in line at a fast food restaurant with your marathon number pinned to your coat, right? While you're picking up a hot. Well, dog how about the around? stains on your on your coat? How about the stains on the coat and the marathon number because of course eating a, a chili dog on the on the walk even is not the most efficient way to do so so yeah it was quite a picture sounds delicious however a chili dog sounds wonderful uh hey uh let's let... every time i tasted it uh, as i kept going yes it was wonderful speaking of those days back in 98 uh i'm what did you think i know you've written about it the last dance the documentary the first two episodes over the weekend we can get into a lot of it with you but your overall kind of take from what you saw i was entertained i mean i think it's a it's an interesting thing i, I i'm not sure as someone who who lived through most of it here and some of it on the West Coast. Um, 
I'm not sure there was a lot new there. I, I don't, there, there is, is a, I've seen eight of the ten episodes. The, the other two aren't finished yet, we're told. Um, there's not a lot of new information. There's some great, a couple of great anecdotes though, that come out and you go, okay, I didn't know that. That's pretty good. Um, but, but I, you know, it's in this void of sports, and I don't have to tell you guys this, you're doing a show, um, it's just fantastic to have. So, uh, you know, I think some of the claims they make are a little squishy, and, and I think they, they've, they've made it a little too uh, black and white where there are shades of gray in some instances. But, no, it's a, it's a terrific documentary. How true is it, Phil? Are, are they telling the truth, or is there more to it? that uh, Because didn't Michael have control over the end product? Uh, I don't know if he had control over the end product. He, his company did produce is a production partner, but I was told he didn't necessarily have control over how things were. It's definitely, in some ways, it's very much painted toward him, but he doesn't look good in some of it. So I, I think there may be more balance there than not. I, I think the elements of truth that you kind of wonder about are just things like, you know, uh, in, in in the shadings. Um, you know, Jerry Krause, the general manager, comes up as an absolute villain. They occasionally will mention, well, but he did this right, and he did that right. The truth is, yes, he and Reinsdorf took apart that team before it needed to be taken apart in all likelihood. We don't know that, though. I mean, you, you look at what happened to, to uh, Pippen after 98 in terms of what, as his body, Rodman's career after 98. Maybe they were on to something there. And, and uh, I think, uh, I, so I think what uh, part of it, though, is, the things he did right, I don't think, get enough credit in this thing. And, and I think the things he did wrong, when he was a terrible, when it came to dealing with players and, and, and having, he had, had sort of a complex, he, he wanted more credit. I, I always said of him that, that he deserved more credit than he got, but he wanted more credit than he deserved. And that's kind of a dangerous combination for someone. Um, you know, when their grievance is, is somewhat valid, but they think it should be that much more so. Um, so I think I think that the, the truth questions. Uh, I think what you forget when you when until you see this is a lot of the things we look back on as inevitabilities were anything but that they could have the Bulls could have stumbled in a lot of places along the way. Phil Rosenthal is with us from the Chicago Tribune on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up that relationship with the players and Kraus because one thing that I didn't really know about that we found out in the first two episodes was Michael really wanted to come back from that foot injury. And the, the franchise was kind of saying, oh, I'm not sure. You know, we want to be careful in this. And he read that as they're trying to tank and think about that in today's day and age. And, and they kind of said in the documentary is that's where it that – uh, us versus management mentality first crept in, and I I didn't really know that, and I thought that that was an interesting, especially when you juxtapose it to the world today. Well, I think that's true. I think uh, that wasn't a, exactly a secret at the time, although the tanking was sort of the thought. I think what came across more at the time was the idea, and, and think about this from a player's standpoint, especially if you're Michael Jordan, you're being treated like a piece of, 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 of you know a, a piece of metal. A, a, 
you know, an asset that has depreciating value. Uh, you're not thought about it as a person, as a competitor, as an individual with individual uh, you know, desires and ambitions and, and wants and needs. I think that as much the dehumanization aspect of that was as, as much a, a thing that drove him nuts at that time and, and would for all these guys, for Pippen with the salary issues and all that, uh, I think that would drive them nuts for years to come, and and I think that's still a problem in sports today. Sometimes that that the, you know the difference between management and the the players themselves is how they view themselves. Although today's NBA, thanks in part to Jordan uh, and and what he did with the shoe industry and and some of these other ways of making the players individual as, as stars and 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 profit centers unto themselves. Uh, I think I think that gets a little bit lost in this and I, and I think uh, so you know I get what you're saying I I don't remember it though in terms of tanking at that time and I but at the, but at the same time you could see why that would drive him nuts why that would upset himself Phil you wrote about how many people in Chicago are watching that uh, docuseries uh, how are they how do they ref- look back how do they reflect on on Jordan is he is he deified in Chicago still has it faded at all or is it as strong as it ever was it's not as maybe as strong as it ever was although this revives all those conversations and this it, it, in some ways because of how, the way it ended it opened a lot of old wounds here in Chicago but um, you know the, Jordan is still not as is not as big as say the 85 Bears. You know, refrigerator Barry Waller, Peyton, Mike Ditka is coach, Jim McMahon a quarterback. That team is still, I mean, Ditka's restaurant, well, obviously nobody's really open right now, but that's still operating. There is, of course, though, a Michael Jordan Steakhouse. So uh, I would say, you know, he's he's always been revered here. That was one of the things, though, that I sort of I took minor issue with when you had uh, Barack Obama, uh, who I loved. Uh, if, I don't know if you noticed under his name, it said former Chicago resident yeah. <laughs> um, Barack Obama. Uh, he was talking about how until Michael Jordan showed up, nobody the city had. You know, he was someone that the entire city could embrace as a sports hero. And and, and you have to remember, Walter Payton was here already. Um, he'd been here since '75. The the eighty he, Jordan came to Chicago in '84. The 84 Cubs went to the, you know, within one game of the World Series. The 84 Bears went to uh, went to the NFC title game and lost to San Francisco. And then the next year was the Super Bowl shuffle team. I'm going to say the, team, the city had people to embrace up to that point. Uh, Jordan was more of a, 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 became a phenomenon, but I'm not sure he was immediately. The same way, although, you know, the Bulls, nobody was going to see them at the time. And, and once he showed up, it became tough to get a ticket. What's Jerry Reinsdorf's uh, legacy now after all this and after really the next couple of decades after this story were, were not the best? Well, he did win the World Series with the 2005 White Sox, which was the first uh, World Series championship in this town since... Uh, 1917, I think. Uh, so that was that was huge, uh, and and the first pennant in the town since the White Sox is pennant in '59. So I, I think Jerry Ryan sort of again, it's sort of a complicated legacy. He got two stadiums built: United Center and the the new uh, what's now Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, obviously, a total of seven championships. I think you know. 
warts and all, he's still right up there among the top owners in Chicago sports history. So I, I, I think people, some people dislike him. Some people like him a little more. I don't know that he's beloved, but I would say, you know, you can't dismiss what he brought to a city that doesn't win so many championships. Or didn't it certainly up until that time? The way the, the the Blackhawks obviously won three Stanley Cups in in, in space of a few years, and that sort of changed things too. But uh, again, I I just think it's hard to dismiss the actual success. If you were to rank the teams, the the pro teams in Chicago, who's king of that town, and what how how would you rank them? We're uh, straight on down through. Bears, well, oh, huge. I mean, the Bears, an eight and eight Bears. Let's let's just put it in terms of ratings, TV ratings. The Bears eight and eight last season. Their games, and some of them were in prime time. Some of them were. Uh, they averaged, I think, around a twenty-six household rating. This um, this documentary, which is you know, it was as much anticipated as anything, involving. Uh, a Chicago team in a long time, uh, not counting the Bears, open to about 12, you know, so 26 to 12. And, and we're talking not great, uh, not a great Bears team. So I think you have to look at the Bears as number one. It gets a little tricky after that. When the Bulls are hot, the Bulls are a potent draw, but and they were never more so than when Jordan was there. Uh, again, they they got kind of big uh, with, when uh, – I mean, they sold out for years afterward. But in terms of you know capturing people's imagination, Derrick Rose years were pretty interesting. Uh, Jimmy Butler's time here, brief though it may have been, was was I, I think got people thinking, okay, this is a team to follow. But I, I'd almost have to say the number two team in town, without you know with all things being equal, is the Cubs, and the Cubs don't have the full city because you also have the White Sox. But I think it's the, you know the Bears, the Cubs. It gets squishy after that. If the Blackhawks are good, they're in the mix. But, you know, if they're not good, people can forget about that reasonably easily, although they sell 22,000 tickets a game. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think it's hard to get. It gets very squishy after those top two. Fast forwarding to today, uh, Phil, talk about uh, the Bulls moving on from Gar Packs and uh, that whole process, and what may we we may see next. Hey, you guys, Garden especially. Thank you for Jim Boylan. He's been terrific. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's maybe another move that's going to be uh, made in terms. Of, I, I, I unless unless Boylan figures out a way to call timeout on the whole process, I think he's probably gone. Um, they've got you know Levine is a good player. They got they got they got some talent there. Um, it's just not working. And I think moving on from you know I I again I think moving from Garpax great idea, long overdue. The city soured on those guys. Although this this Jordan documentary does remind you, wow, Paxson was really important there as a player for a time. Um, but I think the, the only thing I would say in their defense is, you know, they did rebuild the team twice to near, you know, almost competitive, almost, almost not competitive, but almost to where you wanted to be with, you know, until Rose got hurt. 
I think that was a team that could have done some damage. Uh, I think the Jimmy Butler re, you know, reboot again, that was potential. The third one wasn't working out so much. So, the, you know, the most recent one, I shouldn't say third one. So um, there's a lot of work to be done there. And I don't know that, you know, it's the new guy they picked out of, I, I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not going to try, and I apologize for that, uh, from Denver. Uh you know, I think he's he's the right guy, uh, probably. I, I've, everyone's been fairly impressed with what he's said so and so far, but it's too soon to know. And uh, we'll see what happens there. I I think, uh, you know, there could be a rebuild. Uh, you know, that, that that might work, but I don't think you're going to see it for a while. I think we're still a ways off, and the city of Chicago is anyway. Phil, if you've seen eight of the ten episodes in the Jordan documentary, uh, how painful is it going to become for Jazz fans to, to, to continue to watch this? Well, you know how it ended. That's that's <laughs> one thing. Um, you know, I, the truth is I, I haven't seen much of, of, of the Jazz in this. Um, I, there is a point where you see them losing to the Jazz when, uh, again, the great timing of Jerry Krause. He does an interview. It is 98. Uh, I believe February, not long before the All-Star break, he gives an interview to the Tribune and reiterates that, uh, hey, we're not trying to push short out that hey, he's welcome to come back. Uh, well, uh, Phil's not coming back, and I know he said he won't play for anyone else, but hey, this is this is Michael's choice, not ours. Um, well, that was going to cause some problems. He gave that interview, the, that, that was published the morning of the game in Salt Lake against... Um, against the Jazz, uh, which ended up being the second loss uh, for the Bulls of that season against them in the regular season. um, The thing I would say about the Jazz, and I I don't know how it's going to work out in terms of how they're depicted, but I will say this, and maybe this is the product of, you know, if you're going to build up the the Bulls, you're going to have to build up what they overcame. The rivals look formidable in this show. Um, you saw it a little bit in the in the uh, in the first couple episodes, but it really comes up when you're talking about teams like, you know, the Bad Boy Pistons and the Knicks. You know, these teams they had to pass to get out of the East. Um, you see it later uh, again with Charles Barkley and the and the Suns. And the, they they were formidable opponents, and they 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 put up a fight and for an effort for the Bulls to get past them. I can't. I mean, just based on our memories of this, I can't see how it would be otherwise with the Jazz. Um, you know, the, those those series could have gone another way. Again, as part of that, what I'm saying about the, the Bulls, especially in Chicago and, and maybe beyond, I think it's sort of remembered as, well, they had Jordan, it was inevitable they would win. Um, it wasn't. And... There was a fight, and it was difficult, and that's part of what makes what Jordan did and the people around him did. That's part of what makes it so impressive. But again, I I think um, I think that's I, I would I would be surprised if if they're seen as anything other than wow that was that was impressive that they beat them that they found a way. Well, how, Ryan Russell may have other ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to sneak this in. How is Jerry Sloan seen in Chicago? Do people do people remember him and how is he highly revered? He's revered among people who love basketball. His number hangs in the in the United Center. 
um, you know, people, it's probably true in, in Utah as well. People's grasp of history isn't quite what you'd like it to be. Um, because, my God, he was good and, and, and so important to those Bulls teams. Um, I, I don't know that he's widely revered, but, you know, I don't know that they think the same way about Chet Walker and Bob Love and, and, and Artis Gilmore the way someone like I would having grown up here. Uh, you know, and it, it's it's been a while. So I, I think kind of on the cognizant, among the people that that know the sport and know the team, you know, he's he's a Mount Rushmore type figure. But um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that like my son who's 16. I don't know that he he knows a little bit about him because we've talked about it. But that's about it. Well, Phil, we love it when you have a chance to jump on with us. Thank you very, very much, and enjoy, I guess, the last two episodes of the documentary you haven't seen yet. Yeah, I'm, well, I'll enjoy all of it. I'm watching them again as they air. I, it's, 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 as I say, it's a good show, and my gosh, it beats watching guys play a horse. You know, Amen to that. <laughs> Phil, Phil, I wanted to sneak in a question about you've you've had a long career as a columnist. You've covered sports. You've covered... You're trying to doom this for me, aren't you? You're trying to make sure I don't that it ends like tomorrow. But okay, go ahead. I, no, I'll no. take your question. You've you've done you've done sports. You've done TV. You've done entertainment. You've what what's your favorite thing to write about? Um. I, you know, it's hard to say. I, I Everything I get tired of eventually, which is why I said that sort of, I mean, I wrote a business column for a while, too. I I liked, I really liked writing about pop culture in Los Angeles, partly because it was Los Angeles and everything that was pop culture was, you know, if not a phone call away, then some big event away that you could get to. And so that was, that was an exciting thing. But I, I, I hate to, you know, make, get too nostalgic about it because part of that part of any time you think back on something you're thinking well in that point in my life I was young and you know all this stuff was there and uh, you know it I, it all changes but I, I liked writing about pop culture that column at, in, at the LA Daily News I've liked writing about television shows but I think today it would be hard because of how many outlets have shows and how many you know all of that and the splintering audience so trying to generate interest everything um I, you know, it's hard for me to say, but I, I probably, as I say, pop culture television has been the the have been terrific for me. I've I've enjoyed them. I enjoy sports too, or I wouldn't be doing it. I have fond memories of uh, listening to you uh, at times read portions of your column, and uh, they were always good. So uh, sorry about that. I that's how I edited them. I I read them a lot. I I know you were trying to do your work, and it, I apologize, <laughs> but. <laughs> It was nice of you to applaud occasionally, but yeah. I... <laughs> well, Phil, we love it when you have a chance to join us. Thank you very much. Stay well. Thank you. You too. Take care, Phil. There you go. Phil Rosenthal from the Chicago Tribune and an old friend going back to their days. Where again, Gordon? You've, you've never told us before. Well, just up the up the 405 and... To the 304. To... Phil's, a, Phil's a good guy, man. He's a talented writer. Been around for a long, long time. And uh, boy, when you say that, it makes it sound like you're. you're I'll never answer someone, my phone calls again. I wonder. Calling if... someone old. But, uh, you know, I, rem- I called Phil when, when Salt Lake, uh, or Hooterville. AKA Hooterville, yeah. uh, was having its difficulties with uh, leading up to the Olympics here with uh, some of the problems that had arisen. 
And I said, Phil, how should people in Salt Lake City react to this this difficulty? And he said, well, having been from Chicago, he said, uh, just uh, put a potted plant on it and move on. You know, I mean, it just becomes part of the history of the town. And uh, I, I never forgot that. And I started thinking about Chicago and all the things that have gone on there. And now they, they just... Uh, the city with the broad shoulders just carries on, and uh, that's what Salt Lake has done as well. So, and, and those Olympics turned out to be terrific. So, well, what's good for Chicago is not necessarily what's good for Hooterville, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Hate to break it to you, different towns. Oh man, you know, different towns. 